Hi, this is Buckles Brannigan. Wind is, well, my report to you is that the wind is whipping it, whipping up quite a stir, stir out there. And uh, ain't going to be riding in this wind, I can tell you that. My bike, my mountain bike, my Aggressor GT Pro, GT Aggressor Pro is... Uh, box store bike, but it really has all the kind of feature sets of a well, more expensive bike. It's a good deal. It's a good deal out there for a bike that's under $500. It's really, really a good, good, good value. It's a good value. And I would recommend it to just about anyone out there. And, uh, by the way, I want to thank Guy for letting me sit in on this segment. His famous short segments have been getting longer of late. I've noticed that on your podcast, Guy. And uh, he's leaving the studio right now. But I'll say bye to him. Bye. Bye, my man. And Mark is in the booth, as usual. Mark Helpern. And... Uh, Yeah, he just wrote in and he wrote a sign to me through this. We're about uh, uh, tw- 10, 12 feet away from each other. He wrote a, with one of his, his marks a lot. His name's Mark. He writes with a marks a lot. Black, black mark. And just wrote the, wrote the word South Fork. Yeah, he loved that town. He loved visiting it. And he can't get enough of it. He wants to go back. And I'm inviting him back. I'm inviting anytime you want to come, Mark, to South Fork again for your second visit. I'll show you the saddlery. I'll show you the livery stable. I'll show you the saloon. I'll show you. I'll show you the the brothel. I'll show you the sheriff's office. I'll show you the tonsillery, the barber shop. Uh, I'm going to show you the gun shop, the gun, gunsmith, I should say, the blacksmith. Uh, I'm going to show you the assayer's office, the bank, the liar, and uh, we got a good liar in town. He's one of the best. Mel- Melvin Krempold. And we have, uh, we got a women's dress shop. We got a man's dress shop. And, uh, well, my favorite place is the saloon, of course. And we got a hotel. I love my hotel room. Second floor, as you probably know. I can see the gunfighting. And the stagecoaches arriving at the foot of the hotel. And that's where our hotel is strategically located to accept in the stagecoaches coming in from, from all parts. Denver, uh, Wichita Express, and... Uh, so I'm, I'm really, really feeling excited. I'm going to vote tomorrow. 
down in Texas. And uh, I hope you do the same. I know guys made a little mini campaign of getting out to vote. Every vote counts. Don't think your vote doesn't count because it does. One step at a time, one step at a time. So I wish you all good luck. I'm about to get back on the plane to head back to South Fork. Taking the four o'clock, four o'clock service. We're gonna land in Dallas this time. We're gonna fly over a good part of Texas before we land into Mayville. Mayville, Texas, the Texas Territory. We're going to go back in time. We're going to go back in time. When we land in, we're going to go through like a time tunnel on the plane. We're going to end up, we're going to go from the year 2020 to 1877. Two centuries back. We're going to, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it in a good fashion. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Then we're going to take a, a mini stage back into South Fork from Mayville. Towns are separated by about 40 miles with the Pearson Canyon over to the west. Bowman's Creek to the east. Either way you go. But if you want to strike gold, you're going to have to do Pearson's Box Canyon. That's where you go. And... Uh, so I'm mellow, I'm good, I'm feeling good. I'm virus-free. I'm wearing my mask, not right now, but I will be wearing my mask when I venture out. And stay safe out there, everyone. Stay safe. Play it safe. Play it cool. And good luck with voting. The Rhode Island State House in Providence. One of the most beautiful state houses, if not the most beautiful state house in all of the land. Um, it's an asset for Providence, it's an asset for Rhode Island, it's an architectural marvel. Not the largest state house, but it's very, very large its own right. Uh, it's located on the, uh, between Smith Hill, it's in Smith, on Smith Hill, and it's uh, bordered by downtown Providence, and uh, it is uh, also bordered by Smith Street um, on the other side this edifice. Um, it is topped by the independent man, a gold-clad, uh, glimmering, shimmering man with a spear, confidently standing, uh, although politically we wonder what goes on in that state house. Aside from that, this is not a political analysis of what goes on inside the state house. It's a beautiful silhouette on the uh, on the, the landscape of the city. Uh, it's neoclassical. It was built between 19, 1895 and 1904. 
was when it was completed. And the architects are McKim, Mead, and White, who also uh, were known for uh, renovations to the White House in Washington, D.C. Um, and the Boston Public Library. Um, it's clad in, in Georgia marble, and it's signified the high point of Rhode Island's prosperity in the early 1900s. I want to talk about glory days in Rhode Island. You have to go back that far. Yes, you have to go back that far. Rhode Island's been through quite a bit. A little bit of turmoil in the moderate sense but still significant in the history of the state. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Independent Man. It stands... Uh, he stands 315 feet or 313 feet above sea level. And he was placed there... Uh, where he stayed until he was taken back down in the 80s, I believe, to get renovated. But he was uh, there since December 18th, 1899. He was designed by sculptor uh, George Brewster. And Mr. Independent Man stands 11 feet high and weighs half a ton, a quarter of a ton, 500 pounds. Um, the independent man uh, at the very top of the capital is gold covered as I mentioned gold covered bronze and he was formerly known as Hope but uh, is now known as the independent man and it was a homage to Roger Williams Courageously settled and established in Providence after he was banished from the colony of Massachusetts. It, uh, a steel structure, and it's, uh, from what I understand, it was the world's, or is the world's, second largest unsupported dome. So this is an imposing structure. It's probably the main tourist attraction to the state of Rhode Island. Um, and uh, there are free tours to the state of the, the state house. Um, and the it, 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 is, it has opening hours Friday 9 a.m. to 4, th 4 o'clock p.m. if any of you want to go and visit it. It's home of the General Assembly and the Governor. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's probably the most beautiful building in the state and one of the most beautiful buildings in, this, in the entire country. Brother Claude was probably approving of this 
podcast. He likes it when I talk about architecture. As long as I get my facts right, which I just certainly work on. Uh, my favorite building is the Empire State Building. Um, but the Empire State Building notwithstanding, um, I think my second favorite building is the State House, the Rhode Island State House. It's white, it's gleaming, it's Georgian marble. Um, and uh, it's, it's a significant, significant sample, significant piece of architecture. Providence. So, um, and it's very. It attracts. It attracts a lot of. Uh, I think. I think Rhode Islanders are very proud of the State House. There's no question about that. No question. Um, I'm. I was. I was wrong and when I said second largest it's the fourth largest that's still significant largest self-supporting marble dome in the world St. Peter's Basilica the Minnesota State Capitol and the Taj Mahal best best uh, state house it has 327,000 cubic feet, or 9,300 cubic meters of white Georgia marble. It contains 15 million bricks. It's a lot of bricks. And 1,309 short tons of iron floor beams. And uh, we talked about the independent man. Um, it weighs more than 500 pounds and uh, he represents freedom and independence and alludes to the independent spirit which led Roger Williams to settle and establish Providence Plantations and later the colony of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations and later the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations and now they're going to drop Providence Plantations from the name, the official name of the state. The uh, chamber is located on the building's east wing. Uh, The House of Representatives is on the west wing. Uh, The notable room of the building, most obvious feature is the rotunda or the under the dome. North end contains the state library, and the south end contains the state room. Uh, there's a full-scale portrait of George Washington by Rhode Island native Gilbert Stewart. I should almost do a whole story on him and his great life of painting political figures. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in 2013, then-Governor Lincoln Chafee administration started to remove grass from the eastern side of the State House uh, to provide extra parking. Uh, it was opposed by a Capital Senate Commission. 
public board designated to oversee the zoning requirements within the district. Supporters of the proposed parking say that there is a demand from employees and visitors to the building. Opponents point to existing zoning requirements that make it the surface not legal, not a legal point to the expense of providing parking. Um, Christmas at the State House is a magical time. We're coming into it. We've got COVID. We've got to take that in consideration. The, the, the State House is illuminated exteriorly on different events uh, breast cancer awareness is such an event. really has a striking silhouette on the province skyline. Adds to the graceness, the gracefulness of the city in, in a striking way. It really is a beautiful building. And I hope you all can visit it one of these days. It's neoclassical. And uh, went through a major renovations in the 90s. General Assembly, the Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, and the General Treasurer of Rhode Island have offices there. And it's on the National Register of Historic Places, of course. Why wouldn't it be? Why, why wouldn't this grand building be part of that legacy? A great organization, National Register of Historic Places. So, that's my take on the State House. I hope I gave you some interesting facts. I think they're all great facts. Um, you can go online and check out uh, some historic photos of, of it being built. There's some great pictures from 1900 that you can still see the steel skeleton being built. Photography was only about 30, 40 years old, and so it shows you some history that way. Um, you get to see the surrounding landscapes. There's dozens and dozens of pictures showing uh, the State House in those early years. And um, the only fact I don't have is how much it costs to build. I don't have that figure. Um, I wish I did. I wish I could tell you. Um, I'm sure it wasn't cheap. Sure, it was a premium building to put up, given the marble that was used. And um, but I hope you, I hope you gleaned. I hope you gleaned. I like that word, gleaned. Uh, some facts, the facts of the building. Hope it's put in your memory bank, and I hope you can visit the building and have that perspective on the building when you do go visit it. You'll know the whole backstory, or at least a good part of it, or some part of it. So I thank you for checking out this segment, and uh, have a visit. Have a visit to our lovely city of Providence and our state of Rhode Island. Visit Newport. Uh, visit uh, 
Exeter, great countryside in Rhode Island. Visit our our state parks. Visit our smaller cities. Visit our larger cities. We've got a lot to offer, but it's all under the shadow of that great dome, the great dome that we call our capital, the Rhode Island State House. but I like lists in my mind, making lists of things to do in my mind. I'm not a writer-downer lister. <laughs> so I've got to uh, do things like, well, I guess in order of appearance here, um, I've got to change change my kitty boxes um, down in the basement. I've got two litter pans, um, sort of a system I developed for easy changeability or easy cleaning um, and my cats are pretty neat but they do get some of the granules some of the litter uh, falls onto the cellar floor I'm in a their the litter box is positioned uh, maybe 20 feet uh, maybe uh, 16 feet from the, uh, the bottom landing of the basement steps uh, on an unfinished basement floor the unfinished section of the basement um, actually, the other room is the unfinished section, but the the room that uh, I'm talking about is now unfinished, but it will be refinished again. It was once our rumpus room, the family house I'm living in on Hunts Avenue here in Pawtucket. Uh, it was carpeted. We took the carpet out. It was moldy. Uh, some of the some of the rain, uh, some of the flooding occurred over the past decade or two. Created a real skunkified or moldified kind of situation that rug was taken up a couple years ago I've yet to go a little further I've scraped the floor clean but it's ready to take another coat of paint and I'm going I'm determined I'm determined folks to paint that cellar floor but that that's later on the list so my immediate immediate handling of today uh, would be to do the cat litter boxes, number one. Number two is throw another batch in the laundry. I got I got about, uh, uh, I don't know, about a one-foot-high pile of clothes, um, enough for maybe two loads, and um, I'm going to do at least one load, hopefully today. Uh, a little less imminent, and less, less urgent than the changing of the cat litter boxes. Um, as I work upstairs, I've, I'm also determined to vacuum up here because I've got some dust bunnies in the corner hugging to the, my wall and around my dining room chairs, the legs of my chairs, the feet of my chairs, the little dust bunnies each, each, each of the four little feet of each chair and then around the table. Um, I've, got, uh, I've also got a dust dust after I vacuum. That's the normal rule. Dust after you vacuum. And uh, the surfaces. I want to kind of get those in pretty good shape. Uh, i got to finish my dishes. I, only, I got a few dishes. Not, not a big deal. Um, not even worth mentioning. I've got a clogged sink. A kind of clogged bathroom sink. Um, it hasn't. The water level is clogged. It hasn't gone down. I went out and got some Drano. Uh, 
some of that fast acting Drano, you know, where the where it, it uh, pours right in and goes right to the drain clog, um, and it seemed to work. Uh, and then when I refilled it with water to just give it a quick cleaning out plunge, it uh, stuffed up again. So it's it's in a clog situation. The water level hasn't gone down in a couple of days. You're asking, guy, how come you didn't plunge it and just clear it out by now? It's been two days. What's going on? Uh, well, um, I'm lazy. I, I procrastinate. I put things off. Uh, I've been washing my hands in the water level in that bathroom sink. Um, I'm not a hand washer. I'm not one of those kind of like OCD kind of... Uh, my OCD tendencies have fallen by the wayside. Uh, of late um, luckily on uh, medication I'm taking kind of helps that uh, but uh, I, I will plunge that sink I will plunge that sink I'm going to clean the bathroom I'm going to uh, vacuum the kitchen floor I'm a floor vacuumer I don't I don't uh, I like to vacuum things um, so I'm going to get behind the stove vacuum out all the cat food that's uh, dry cat food little pellets that have uh, all over the place under the refrigerator I'm going to get under there really well get that done I'm going to get the place prepared for Thanksgiving I'm having some I'm having actually my brother and sister-in-law over for uh, Thanksgiving looking forward to that um, I'm going to cook the turkey and Janet's going to um, Janet's going to cook going to going to uh, prepare the, the side orders on those on the on, uh, rest of the Thanksgiving fair will be all prepared but she's going to prepare some of it at her house and uh, they're going to schlep it over and probably finish a little part of the preparation will be done here at the house and then we'll, we'll get the food cooked have a nice Thanksgiving you know so I want, to, I want the place looking really spiffy spiffy I want it looking top notch top drawer for when Pierre and Janet come over so that's going to be awesome one big big looming project I have uh, besides the basement uh, painting the basement floor which is going to be a little later on the list but before that is to finish my hallway I took wallpaper down um, three months ago it's how long it's been Um, I uh, have yet to clear the bookcase which doesn't have a lot on it but I can do that it's a floor to ceiling bookcase like looks like a built in I'm looking forward to painting the uh, the back wall of that bookcase, uh, the wall color, and the rest of the bookcase white, as opposed to it being all the off-white. Um, what else? What else? That's about it. That's about it. I'm going to do go, go room by room. The room by room system works well for me. Uh, I want neat rooms. I want to have declutter my mind I want to declutter my mind might be the most the most apparent thing I uh, I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to just uh, doing stuff getting it done this is Buckles Brannigan 
what do you think of when you hear livery stable? What do you hear? What do you think of when you hear saloon? What do you think of when you hear the mother load? What do you think of when you hear gunfight? What do you think of when you hear poker game? You think of the great genre, the great genre. Is what you call it, genre. It's from the French, from the French, meaning a, uh, a category, category. It's the major category of the Western, the great Western, the great American Western. About the American West, yeah. Can't get any more West than Santa Fe, huh? Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's not quite so West, but San Francisco. 1836, it was just a little tiny little no place. Didn't get on the map until about, oh, I don't know, 15 years later. About 15 years later, it was on the map as a small little, little gold strike town, little mining town, little mining town called San Francisco, a coastal city. Who'd ever thunk it'd be the great city that it is today? It's got its problems, but it's still a great city. And uh, it's like Boston. It's like Boston, you know. Boston, you know, the East Coast. Everybody came from Boston on my old West shows in 57. We had four characters in four different episodes all came from Boston. Not Providence, Boston. Seems like that's the go-to city when you're coming from the East. Coming down through the stagecoach, you know. Settling in, you're digging in your heels. Your sodbuster, there's a Western term, sodbuster. Are you a cattle raiser? Are you a uh, are you a grover? Are you a, uh, a varmint? Are you a heavy? Are you a heavy? Are you a cattle stealer? Are you a cattle rustler? Are you a horse thief? It's the worst kind. That's a hanging hanging offense practically. Are you a uh, sidewinder? Sidewinder. The durs, the words that end with er. That's a big, big chunk of words in the West. And uh, sodbuster. And I think uh, I think we got some great words. I think we got some great terms. I got some great props. Got some great props. We got the gun, probably the most important. That and the horse, the gun and the horse, two of the most incredible props of Western. I have never, ever, ever, ever seen a Western without there being a brandishing of a gun, without there being a tie-up of a horse on the front of a saloon uh, fence. Have you? A horse trough. That's a popular prop. Usually in front of the saloon. That's where most of the horses would gather. 
got your thirsty cattlemen coming in on their horse, horses. You got the would-be posses in front of the in front of the sheriff or the marshal's office. I think I think I think South Fork had the blessing of having a marshal and a sheriff on premises. General store. How about the general store? I like the general store. It's a hardware store. It's an apparel shop. It's a it's a kitchen cutlery, a kitchen utensil, kitchen pots and pans kind of place to go buy stuff there, right? And you get fit for your Henley shirt. You get fit for your britches, your pantaloons. I like the saddle. I like the saddlery. I like the saddlery. I like the, the whole idea. I can almost smell the leather, can't you? I like the I like the gunsmith. He's a good guy. He's usually a mild-mannered guy. You have to be if you're running a gun shop. Can't be an excitable kind of man. And again, you know, the general store is manned by women a lot of times. A lot of times, a Western, Western woman is an independent sort, isn't she? Attractive. She's no nonsense. She's not going to take any, any guff. How about the woman that nurses that bullet? That 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 uh, either the heavy or usually a good, good, good sort. That's sort of uh, got a bullet wound in the shoulder. How come it's always in the shoulder, huh? It's always in the shoulder. Seems to be anyway to me. I know on a lot of my programs in 1957 through 1963, our series Buckles Brannigan, that was the name of the show, Buckles Brannigan, ran on CBS, and uh, we had a lot of good uh, good episodes, and about seven or eight of those episodes were about... Uh, uh, Two of them were varmints, and I think five or six of them were, were good hombres being uh, injured. One of them was a, was a varmint, though, that was taken in by a woman that was unsuspecting. She didn't draw any conclusions. She didn't judge. She just uh, made sure that, that the man was in the room, the bedroom with the, the bed, and she nursed him back to health. She nursed him back to health. And one of the episodes, I know, the, uh, the hombre turned his ways turned his ways. The other the other hombre got better and ended up getting killed on the streets of South Fork in a gun battle with Sheriff Wyatt. It was as simple as that. The sheriff, when the sheriff gets involved, he's going to win. In our, our show, he won. And with the help of Buckles Brannigan, Buckles always comes in, me, myself, yours truly, I played a role that I got things done. You know, I had my big buckle. I got my buckle, my, my seven by nine inch buckle. It hurts when I bend over. It pinches me by my belly button. And uh, got to watch out when I bend up to pick a paper because I'm a neat freak. I don't like any little wrappers or papers or little shards of glass or anything and nails, whatever is in the street. South Fork, I pick up. I pick them up or I even have a, have a youngster do it for me. I got a whole team of youngsters that come out to help me clean up South Fork from time to time. We do a once a month kind of like inventory and 
that you'd be surprised about the trash we pick up on the city streets. And it's a, it's a city, it's a city, and it's a little city. It's a town, it's a town, it's a town. The town of South Fork in the Texas Territory. And it's 1877. I'm, I was born in 1836. I was born in New York City. I was three days, three or four days old when they moved me down, my mom and my dad. My dad took a job uh, first in Wichita, but later in South Fork in the uh, bank's office, uh, I'm sorry, in the marshal's office to help with the marshal. And uh, then later on, he uh, tried to work himself into the bank and get involved with the bank, but that's beside the point. And uh, he's a good man. And my mom was, was a proud woman, proud woman. Uh, she, uh, she didn't take any guff either. And she nursed, she nursed one of the varmints uh, in our, one of our episodes. Uh, one of the good guys, I'm sorry, one of the good guys that got injured with another shoulder injury. Uh, we didn't show blood in 1957. By 1963, we were hinting of some blood under the garment. You know, uh, we removed uh, uh, Ellie. Ellie Jacobs was one of our characters, and she was uh, she removed the dress wound, and we showed some blood. It was one of the first westerns to actually show blood, but it uh, was in color. We went color. Uh, in 1963, our last year, we were in color. So we, we got one one episode under our belt in CBS Color. Uh, it was awesome. I like the NBC Peacock, though. Uh, but animals, horses, so important, so important in the Western. You can't go without a Western without seeing a horse. You might not see a mule. You might not see a donkey. You might not see a buffalo. But you're going to see a horse. You know, you're going to see a horse. You may not even see a doggy or a kitty, but you're going to see a horse, guaranteed, guaranteed. Every one of our episodes showed a horse at some point. Of course it has to be. Horses were the way of life back then. And the gun, the gun was the way of life in the Western since time immemorial. Time immemorial, yep. There was a sidewinder out the street fighting me. And I drew my pistol a little quicker. My Colt 45, which I carried both, was either side. I know my buckle showed two cross, crossing derringers. That was my logo. But uh, that was just for compact graphic, graphic design reasons. The signage, speaking of graphic design, we had some of the greatest signage any small town, a town of 90, and about 90, 90 souls lived in South Fork in 1877, and uh, we had some great, great signage, the hotel, the old yeller, the old yeller hotel, yeah, the old yeller hotel, uh, Millie's place, uh, the brothel, didn't have a sign, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I don't know, that's not something you want to advertise. Uh, we had we had uh, the the general store. We had the um, well, we had the blacksmith. Blacksmith was a great great place. It was a big fire in the barber shop, which uh, bled out to the, the crossed over some barrels in the back alley, a little back uh, separation point between the two buildings. 
That was a big historic fire where I lost my rifle. I lost my rifle. My rifle was left at the barbershop by accident. I forgot it. Can't believe I forgot my rifle. I know what happened. I think what happened that day is I had to run out really, really quick. And then I ended up out in Pearson Box Canyon, if you remember. Because I did an episode of Talk Me Smart and other stories where I talked about Pearson Canyon. Uh, on my recollection of Pearson Canyon uh, gold strike there. And I was so busy with my gold strike, of course, I always had my pistols with me. Always got my Colt 45s. And uh, so the colorful Western, the colorful, it's a colorful medium, colorful, well, I should say colorful genre. That's the best word, really, I can think of right now. Uh, it's a colorful, colorful world, world of the Western even in black and white, even in glorious black and white, there's color is suggested. Color is suggested through the characters, through the landscape. Ah, let's talk about the landscape. Ah, the beautiful west landscapes. The, the town or the outline of the buildings against the Texas sky was one thing to behold, but when you went out on the trail and you ventured down, you know, and uh, you saw the stagecoach, the Wells Fargo stagecoach with a glint of light behind it, and you saw the beauty of the landscape and the mountains and the scenery and the sagebrush and uh, the tumbleweeds sort of going on there in the foreground, you know, you could see them blowing back and forth, you know, created a sense of uh, dynamicism and uh, Intrigue, intrigue, and uh, the distant canyons, you know, the distant canyons, the river, the riverbed, the riverbed, the Rio Grande was our, that's our river, that's our river, we're proud of it, we're proud of being on the river, on the Rio Grande, in Buckles Brannigan land, in Buckles Brannigan land, the trail, the tree-lined trail, once you get in under the shade of the tree, rockiness, the rocks, the ledges, the rocks, the boulders, the boulders, the, the side walls of the mountains, the ridges, you know, the ridges, the, the immediate landscape and the, the, the extended landscape, the further landscape, yes, yeah. the desert, the desert area, just beyond, just beyond, created a starkness and a loneliness a sense of abandonment. Yep. And uh, the characters in the foreground and the horses, of course, and the... Ah, the, Con the Conestoga wagons. How about those? The wagon train coming in through. It was a great TV show back in the 60s there. And, uh, you know, you got uh, Ward Bond in that show. You got Ward Bond and other great actors great guest appearance. I saw, I saw my friend uh, Charles Lawton on, on an episode just the other day and it reminded me Charles Lawton uh, worked with our uh, producer and he never made it to the show. He wanted to be on the show but he had a conflict. Uh, I think he was doing uh, one of those shows, Witness for the Prosecution, one of those movies was in schedule. And uh, he was determined to get on to that. He was involved, involved in some other side projects in Britain. I know he had an engagement in London. 
And of course, he couldn't be on our show. It was unfortunate. We would have really loved to have him. You know, I like the Western actors and the, and the, the heavies, the, 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 uh, the secondary characters, or, or I should say that the character actors that made guest appearances otherwise or regular appearances on our show. We had a whole plethora, plethora, plethora. Is that the word? Plethora, yeah. Mark's telling me in the booth. Here, Mark, Mark Halpern, who helps out Guy with his, his broadcast. We're in the studio here in, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And it's great to be in, in Little Rhode Island. Little Rhode Island. And when I make it out the big Texas way, uh, maybe it's big Rhode Island and little Texas, huh? In our minds, I don't know. I got a little bit of Rhode Island spirit, but my real spirit is Texas. I love my Texas town of South Fork, of course. Any chance and minute I can have in existence, it'll be down, down those ways, down those ways. I love my Pearson Canyon. I made some real, real progress at Pearson Canyon. We dug a mine uh, pretty far in. We didn't get it in and to be called quite a mine, but it was a hole, a hole in the side of a mountain, a mountain, a cliffside, a cliffside. You can see the strata. You can see the strata, the layers of time and history. And uh, we we went down into one of those strata. We found out there was a gold, a vein, a vein that took us into the the, the cliffside about 20 feet, not quite 20 feet, not quite 20 feet. And it was about a, a seven foot by eight foot hole that we dug. It took us a matter of, we were done actually in a matter of a couple of weeks. We had dug our way. And then through the time we, over the last oh, about a month, about, I'm going to say about between six months and a year, we had gone in all the way uh, into, uh, into about 16 feet, I'm going, to, I'm going to say it's about 16 feet in. And I, uh, I dug out my worths, uh, you know, we dug out in 1878 we had already dug out uh, approximately $125,000. That's about equivalent to about three or four million dollars today. So that was a pretty sizable, sizable. Uh, it would probably be worth more today because gold's even more precious than it was back then for some reason. San Francisco, Pearson, Pearson Box Canyon, just, just. Uh, you know, about 80 miles, uh, 80, 60 to 80 miles uh, east, I'm sorry, west of South Fork. Uh, my big, my big strike, my big, the mother load, the mother load, uh, finding some gold. Uh, less silver, more gold, more gold. I like that, I like that. So I like my westerns, and I hope you enjoyed my little talk about Western genre and how excited, I hope you got a sense of how excited I am about my own, my own home genre. That's where I feel best, that's where I feel comfortable with the Western. <laughs>